welcome, welcome to my show, Jonathan. We're uh, we're gonna do the podcast now. Mm. So this is Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Muirhead. Uh, John, how do we know each other? Oh, uh, man, we go way back. I think it was like I don't know what year, but like you know, we were in the same. Teachers' corner. I think Deacon's I Deacon's corner. I well, I moved. I moved over here when I was twelve or eleven, actually. Yeah, but that was. But I would have. I would have met you when I was twelve. Okay. Yeah. The first. The first time I remember talking to you was on like my first temple trip to Cardston. Oh man. Going to Carson, that's a, we're old now. Like, yeah, right? Yeah, we're, uh, I think they like rented a van or used somebody's van or I'm something. Pretty sure eventually it was like we were using your van. Yeah, we did end up using my family's van in the end. Your family was smart and got a Yukon so that they didn't have to lend it out all too often. No. Yeah. So, um, do you have like a, cause that was a long time ago. So I guess we've known each other for like 10 years. Yeah. Okay. We'll say that. 10 years. 10 years. So do you have like a, like a first impression of Alex Williams, of young 12 year old Alex Williams? Um, I'd have to say carefree. Really? Yeah. You just seem like a very happy go lucky kid, you know? Really? Yeah. That was honestly... I still think that way sometimes. Like, well, I think I'm more that way now than I was uh, when yeah, I was 12. I've definitely become like, um, what's the word? My shtick. Yeah, exaggerated in a way. Like, yeah. Not in a bad way, though. Like, uh, well, my, I mean, my hero is Varric. You know, Varric. Oh. Uh, yeah. He's my hero, so I try and emulate him in any way that I can. Yeah, it sounds like my first impression of you is... Uh, just always happy. Hmm. I feel like you're always trying to be a friend to everybody and succeeding. Hmm. Unless, like, people were jerks and you just had, like, no tolerance. And I was like, me too. Like, <laughs> me too. I think, I think we did get along pretty well. I remember, like, uh, I, thought, I thought you were pretty cool the first time I met you. And, like, we, we became friends. You are pretty cool. It's true. You were the first one in your family that I like became friends with. Yeah. And then, uh, and then slowly I became friends with everyone. Everybody. Everybody. Everyone in the I invaded. I mean, before, before, uh, coming down here to record the podcast, I did, I just walked into your house, used your washroom, filled up my water bottle. Did you use the washroom before you came down? Yeah. Talk to me? Well, I missed all that. Yeah. No, well, you're down here playing games. So, uh, so where are you from, Jonathan? I'm from here. From literally here. You, okay, you've lived in this house. Have you lived here ever, your whole life? Was, ever since I was two and a half. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much when Spencer was born. Yeah, yeah. Spencer. <laughs> a lot, of, I mean, it's Spencer, you know, gets home August 9th. Yeah. That's crazy, hey? 10th, actually. August 10th? Yeah, oh, okay. 2 p.m. 2 p.m., Okay. Good. I'll be. I will be there. Um, so you were you were born in Calgary. Yeah, born at the. Uh, I forget what hospital it is now. Really, Foothills. No. Rocky View. Yeah, Rocky View. Rocky View. Born. Yeah. Me, Alex, and Hunter were all born in Rocky View, and then everyone else was born in Foothills. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that experience like for you, Jonathan? Oh, 
Was it was it as horrifying as they say? Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I my earliest memory is is when I was eight. Like my baptism. That is my that's the earliest memory. Like I have a clear one. Really? Everything else is like kind of a haze. Yeah. To me. Well, I feel I feel I feel like that. You know, like clear, but I have memories before before I was eight. <laughs> did they, did nothing happen? When you were eight? Yeah. I mean, is there any proof otherwise? Uh, pictures. Yeah, but I mean, those can be faked. True. Yeah. Um, so, so you grew up uh, in South Calgary. Um, well, first we were living by um, Mount Royal. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Where yeah and you have yeah yeah and uh and were there any like particular experiences that that like impacted you when when you were growing up like um i think one thing that's definitely impacted me is the amount of ward boundary changes that have happened yeah i mean you've experienced some of it but like i we were in willow park um, Minapur, then Cranston, then Chaparral, then back to Cranston. Yeah. And now it's Legacy. It's been like 11 different changes. Yeah. So this is the, like in the church for people who are listening who aren't LDS. Uh, this is like church boundary changes because that's the, like the growth of the, the LDS church in the area. Um, and so like with with all of those changes, did you feel like you were affected like friend wise and stuff? Oh, definitely. Like I feel like especially like going from Minnipur Ward to Cranston Ward. Yeah. That was a big change. Because you, you were still in the same house. You weren't even moving around. Yeah. But it like changed who your like, I was going your to friends the same, were. Like, ward as kids in Minnipur Ward, but I wasn't going to the same school as yeah. them. And so I only saw them at church. And then like that was cut off and like I didn't see them really until junior high, high school. Yeah. It's just like, like kind of strange, like seeing them again and just like yeah, with different people now. Like yeah, that would be yeah. Definitely changed like who my friends were. I think I don't know. It's nice to think about like, what if what if boundaries hadn't been changed, but like you know, we'll never know. They do, and I mean, it's still happening in this area because it's like a growing. Seriously. Growing area. It's it's nuts. There's so much construction, new houses all the time. Um, and you guys would have lived over here when the neighborhood was pretty new. Oh, yeah, we were, like, there's one picture of, like, our house, and there's just, like, nothing else inside. It's just, like, our house. It's just your house, eh? Yeah, we're, like, what? We're, like, the first, the pioneers. Hipsters? Yeah, sure, hipsters. Hipsters and pioneers are basically the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one's just cooler than the other. Yeah, one's just cooler than the other. Oh, man, there are so many ways that that joke could get really, uh, insensitive. I mean, um... So we won't we won't go there. Um, so so that that affected you a lot. Did you like? Did you find you had an easy time making friends growing up? Um, I feel like definitely when I was younger. I think this is true for everybody. The, the older you get, well, like it's just like especially like teenage years, it just gets more difficult. Why Why do you think that is? I think everyone just like I don't know. Gets, Oh, that sounds cliche. Everyone's getting clicky, like yeah. And you, know, you start dividing into like interests, and 
I don't know, even love to a degree. Yeah. I don't know. So I never really meshed with anyone like that well. Yeah. Like, so it was more like, you know, I was just friends with anyone who wasn't part of the clique. And it was just like, now we're friends. Like, yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And like, I remember uh, when we were in the same ward, when we were like 16, it was like you, me, Ryan, Carl, and Bentley. Yeah. And none of us. We all went to different schools. Yeah, we all went to different schools, and we we're we're all into kind of different things, but but we got along. I yeah. would say, <laughs> I would say I enjoyed it. I had oh, fun. Yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it's just like you know, there's moments where we all like have different opinions. It's like, well, let's just agree and disagree. Like, yeah, you know, but I I think it's important to be around like oh, people with differing gotcha. opinions. Yeah. You know. Um, did you, did you find, cause you, you said that you weren't really ever in any specific clique. Mm-hmm. Um, how did, like, how did that affect you growing up and being in high school and, and stuff? Mm. I don't know, just kind of reserved and kind of, I don't know, all my friends, cause like everyone I went to church to, I wasn't going to school with them mm-hmm. for like forever. Yeah. And so that all of my friends at school were like not members of the church, which is completely fine. Which honestly, probably more of a blessing than anything else. Like, yeah. I feel like now all of my friends are like Mormon. And I'm just like, I wish I had more friends that weren't. Yeah. That way. But I'm like stuck in this like social trap. Well, I mean, you go to school in Utah well, at a Mormon true. school. Like, You're kind of asking for it. Doesn't help. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just—it's nice to have friends who have different worldviews, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot. I feel like I learned not to judge people harshly. I'm still judgmental sometimes. But. Yeah, yeah. Why, like, um, like having those different worldviews in in your mind? Um, how does that? affect you how does that benefit you um what's that benefit me i think it just helps me to not stay in kind of a bubble yeah if if you know what i mean yeah like, i feel like sometimes in the church we we, we just like talk about topics that are just like like we talk about the atonement and like repentance and just kind of big things like that. And we, like, we just have our own little language around it. And, like, we try to talk to other people about stuff like that. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. And so having friends around you who don't, who can't understand the way you do. Yeah. And you're forced to explain a different way. It really helps you to understand that thing better. Yeah. Because you have to really think about what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, there's like a quote in Preach My Gospel, um, the missionary training guide, that says if you can't, like, I'm going to summarize it, not quote it exactly. Yeah. If you, like, you, if you don't know something, unless you can explain it to a child, and then mm. understand it. Yeah. And so, you know, we, in the church a lot, are like, you know, Christian water, 
you're just like we know what water is because we're surrounded by it, but then you try to explain to something because they've never seen water and it's like impossible to explain it to them. Yeah. So I, I wish now, I'm glad I had friends then who were members because I was able to grasp the concept by having to explain it to them. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I was just like a stronger understanding of what what things are. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to, um, being able to explain, explain your beliefs more clearly and, uh, and be benefited by kind of seeing what other people's beliefs are. Um, how do you like, how, how do you deal with opposing worldviews with not, not maybe opposing isn't the right word, but just different worldviews, people who see things differently than you. Yeah, glad you changed it from opposing because I feel like most worldviews don't actually oppose. They don't oppose each other, yeah. Um, I think it's... Uh, I feel like opposition comes when we try to enforce our worldview on others. Mm-hmm. Time. Obviously, that's not always the case. Some people yeah. just want to impose their view on everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I try my best to understand other worldviews and to learn from them the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think so. Um, and what, what kind of things have you learned from, from other people, from your friends or from just acquaintances or just strangers? Um, well, strangers, I feel like I've had. Um, so for those who don't really know me, I went to Sweden on a mission for the LDS church. And in Sweden, I got to meet people from like all over the world, mm-hmm. um, not just in Europe, but also the Middle East, Asia, Africa, South America. And everyone's got, you know, different backgrounds, different um, life experiences. And I'm trying to teach them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have to really adapt in how you present that message yeah. to somebody. Because um, somebody from Asia is not going to really know who God Jesus Christ is. But then someone from Africa is going like, to be like, oh, yes, Jesus Christ, I love him. Like, yeah. Um, and a much better accent. <laughs> I couldn't tell that you put on an accent. I didn't. I didn't try. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought about it and I was like, no. No, maybe not. Yeah. To do an African accent. <laughs> Um, I forget what the question. The uh, asking about uh, meeting meeting acquaintances and strangers who who have these differing worldviews and kind of what you know what uh, the experience is like to interact with them. Yeah, uh, I think one of my favorite experiences was teaching um, a woman named Rekha. She was from Nepal. Um, and I basically knew nothing about Nepal before I met her, so I was kind of really excited. Mm-hmm. Like teaching, I'm just like Nepal's sick. Like as she's just like we just asked her about her culture and her life, and she was she came from like a Hindu background, but then she studied engineering in Russia. Okay. And was like an engineer, so she had like a scientific viewpoint on like the world with a Hindu background. It's just like crazy and beautiful. Like, yeah. She just saw, saw people as her friends, 
but she also like wants to. She saw the value in education. Thought everyone needs to have an education to yeah. like, some degree, and was um, she was in Sweden supporting her nephew getting his education there, hmm. and. I don't know. I, I grew more compassionate as I like interacted with her. Yeah. And seeing how she she like was sacrificing her time to have like a family member gain education because she knew how valuable that was to her. And I was like, man, I don't even know if I could do that. Like, yeah. Drop everything and like support someone to like go to school. Yeah. Gee, like, I mean, I, that that's huge. Putting that much value on education, that much value on anything. Um, is there anything that you put that much value on? No, probably not. No? You're just kind of, well... I mean, I dropped everything for two years and went on a mission, but, like, I'm not yeah. in a hurry to do that again. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, it's good. It's done. I did that. And yeah. Now it's time to, like, live life. Yeah. So now... Um, so, so you went on your mission to Sweden, and you were there for two years. Why? Why did you go? Man, this could be a long story. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is a long podcast. Yeah, for, I guess, I'm going to assume no one, anyone listening doesn't really know me. Um, so actually, I went to the, the Missionary Training Center um, in 2014. Um, and I was there for six weeks learning the Swedish language, learning. Learning? Did, like, how, how much? Honestly, it's really good. Yeah. Um, my first time at the MTC, the Missionary Training Center, I, I, I don't think I got a, as good of a grasp. And then I went home, um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I worked for a year and a half and then went back to the MTC and the language just kind of clicked for me. Yeah. The second time I was just like, wow, I can like understand. I can speak a lot. Like, yeah, everyone else there was kind of just like, "How do you know so much?" Like they're all confused as like yeah. having a conversation with the teacher day one. Like, yeah, teacher's like, uh, "How do you? How do you?" Speak you don't so look. Like, you don't look Swedish. Why are you here? Like, um, and then, so I think the first time I went more because that is like the social pressure is to go on a mission mm-hmm. in in the church, like. That's the expectation. I I was like not even 19 when I went. That's like... Yeah. Which is like becoming more and more norm. Yeah. Also extremely young. And and then when I I came home early, I realized just how much I I loved being there. Just the NTC. I just love that so much. Yeah. And I know people are going to think I'm weird. (laughs) I find it's 50-50 of people that I talk to. I find... Many people are like, yeah, I love it, but like, I wouldn't go back. And I'm like, mm. I like go a third time. They're like, a third time? Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, been there twice, you know? Like, been there, um, done that twice. And so the second time I went more out of, like, love for the experience that I had. Okay. Um, and you wanted to have more of that yeah, experience. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Because were you in the MTC again for another yep, six another weeks? Yeah, six weeks. Yeah. Just, my language skills. Getting it down and then going out. And then getting visa waited in Chicago. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So losing that advantage and then going to Sweden. And then going to Sweden. Yeah. So and what was that 
what was that like? I mean, you talked about all the different, all the different people that you met and the, the ways that you grew in compassion um, for these different, you know, nationalities and people and worldviews and stuff. Um, are there any other experiences from that where you grew? From my time in Sweden? Yeah. Um, man, there's like so many. I'm like, what do I choose? <laughs> Which experience do I choose now? Um, so, okay. Towards the end of my mission, mm-hmm. um, I had the chance to, to train a new missionary. You know, you your first companion in, like, the mission field, and you're supposed to show them everything of what you're supposed to do, which is, like, which sounds very stressful, and it is. And then to add on top of that, my mission president, he was like, okay, you're going you're gonna to go into a new area with that, like, some people call it purging, whitewashing, we call it doubling in. Um... And I was like, oh, great, wonderful. Like, yeah. Not only am I training someone who has no idea what they're doing and does not, well, okay, they have some idea what they're doing. Yeah. And they speak very little Swedish, but I'm also going somewhere where I've never been. Um, I actually had been there before, twice. Yeah. Like, but you're not super familiar with yeah, it? I didn't know the area. I didn't know the people there. I didn't know who would be working with, if anybody, right away. Um. And then to, like, just the cherry on top of that is that, like, within the first, like, three days, you want to go home. Oh, really? It's kind of like, yeah, I'm thinking about going home. And I'm like, ah, what did I do wrong? Like, You're like... <laughs> the back of my brain, I was just like, how did I mess up that <laughs> uh, He already hates this and he hates me. Like, yeah. Um, he, he's still out there, actually. He gets home in December. So nice. So he can go home early. Yeah. Um... But I, I learned a lot about patience. Man, patience is my whole mission. That's another story, though. Um, and I learned a lot about loving people regardless of the choices they make. Hmm. Um, and not just with him. Yeah. But like with, with anyone you interact with, you know, they're going to make choices that you disagree with. Mm-hmm. Like, he was thinking about leaving and choosing to do that, and I had to learn to love him regardless. Yeah. To just support him whatever choice he made. Yeah. Yeah. And would, I mean, if he had made that choice, it would... Yeah, it, that'd be it. Everything would be done. Uh, it wouldn't affect you that much. Yeah, right? it would be a minor convenience. Like I'd have yeah. To, yeah, it'd be inconvenient. I'd have to go be with, like, other people. But you'd be able to get on with your life still, you know? It, it would be something that would happen. Yeah, it would not change me that much. Do you, do you find that sometimes, though, when people, despite learning that, you know, people make their decisions and that you need to be okay with people making their decisions, um, despite learning that and acknowledging that, do you sometimes have a hard time accepting other people's decisions. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like all of politics. You get into politics if you want, but, <laughs> like, yeah, I definitely have a hard time still accepting people's choices. 
Especially when I know that I'm right. Do you usually know that you're right, Jonathan? No, I act like I do, but it's very rare that I know I'm right. Yeah, yeah. I and know for sure that I'm right. I think I'm right a lot. I think most people are like that. Yeah. Um. So, so you th- you think you're right often. Uh, and which, which you are, you're, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to puff you up, but you're one of my smarter, more intelligent friends. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course, you know that I don't need to tell you. I'm sorry for, you know, bringing it up. Um, so do you, like, how do you, how do you react? How do you work through that when somebody, you know, when you tell somebody, oh, you should do this, like, this is the best decision and then they don't do it. I'm still looking for suggestions on how to act. No, yeah. um, I think, yeah, I, I kind of, we, we talked about how like, it wouldn't have affected me, like, like Heinz choice, and so I just need to remember that most choices people make won't affect me at all, mm-hmm. I can, like, you know, move on from that, and so I was just trying to remember that always. Yeah. I and think what's hardest is when it's a choice that is going to affect you. Yeah. Um, and obviously that are like, you, you should be trying to change that person's decision if it's going yeah. to affect you in a big way. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, you can only do what you can do. Yeah. Like, yeah. And do you, so how do you, how do you deal with it though when, when it is a decision, when somebody makes a decision that will affect you negatively. I think I just try to do something that will hopefully in some way make it positive. I react instead of like... Um, like you... Um, instead of like reacting like anger towards them, I just like react in a way that, you know, protects me somehow. I can't even think of a situation that this is happening to me though. Like, well, it's, yeah, it's because everybody loves you, Jonathan, so nobody's gonna, yeah. nobody's gonna make a decision. I can play often about how I have no real-life enemies. No one hates me. I'm like, where are the haters? Where are the haters? <laughs> where are the haters? Well, I mean, this is a podcast. You're on the internet now, so... Just uh, anybody out there who wants to... <laughs> That's terrible. I'm not gonna call for people to hate you. Let me know. Um, you also, you mentioned... Uh, growing in patience yeah. uh, while you were on your mission. And you said, quote, but that's another story. Well, we have time for another story, that's John. my whole, like, mission. That's two years worth of, like, life. Give, give, us, some, uh, give us some examples of, of uh, how, how you've learned to have patience. Would you say you're an impatient person? I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. <laughs> So everyone's like, well, duh. Like, well, duh, yeah. Um, in general, I don't think I'm like either or. Just kind of like mellow. You're just kind of in the middle. Yeah, I'm not patient. I'm not like impatient. Yeah. Just, I'm just there. Um, for those not familiar with Sweden, Sweden is the most secular country in the world, and they're very proud of it. Yeah. So, I mean, you go there for two years your church <laughs> to tell them about Jesus <laughs> to teach you about God Jesus and and people react in various ways um I mean I've had people yell at me I've had people ignore me I've had people argue 
mm-hmm. try to convince me I'm wrong or delusional. Yeah. Or that I should go somewhere else. And it's just kind of funny where people are like, you know, you shouldn't have come to Sweden. I'm like, I didn't have a choice. I didn't choose to come here. Trust me, I probably would have chosen Sweden. I love Sweden, though. Like, Sweden's one of the best countries in the world. Everyone should go there. But, like, I definitely would not have chosen to send a mission there if I wanted an easy, nice, enjoyable time. Yeah, no. You weren't weren't there on vacation. Yeah. I think... (laughs) I think the things that bother me is when people would just, like, straight up pretend we were not there. Like... And those were moments where I was just like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> like, and like, obviously I didn't kill them, but. <laughs> just, just for the record, Jonathan did not kill anyone. Like, that's what I was, I was just like, why? I'm like, you know, I can, I can take no. I can take anger or reaction, but when someone just like pretends I don't exist, I'm just like, you better acknowledge me in some way. Like, yeah. At least wince. Yeah, wince, run away or something. Like, yeah. Um,. And so I like to just be patient with how people reacted. Yeah. Um, and that was, like, a struggle the entire two years. Yeah. It's learning to deal with the fact that some people don't want to hear what you have to say. And yeah. And you just have to live with that. How has that benefited you coming home? Um, I don't know. Hmm. I've got a situation that's similar. People tend to listen to me nowadays. Mostly because I'm always talking to people who... Well, actually, you're exactly. back. You're back in your uh, your click. Um, I'm back in my your zone. My, my your cr- click, yeah. yeah, your crew. So, um, coming home now and getting on with life. What have you been up to? Um, well, I'm at BYU. Yep, that's fun. Is that all you're doing? Uh, I'm working as well. Yeah, during the summer. Uh, yeah, I mean. I'm going to the Wednesday Award. Yeah. What are, what are you taking at BYU? Uh, well, I was taking civil engineering, but now I'm studying math education. And, you know, who knows? It'll probably change again. That's what I tell people. I just don't want to, like, expect anything just yet. Like, <laughs> Do you have, like... Because I, I feel like uh, we tend to be pretty affected by people's expectations. Um, do you think you're like that, or do you, and do you think that you saying that your that your major your degree could change again? Do you think that's trying to like make it so that people don't have expectations for you, so that you don't oh, get stuck in something? Like you got me. That's like make it so people stop like having these expectations and. Um, Man, I try very hard to, like, not adhere to expectations of other people. Yeah. That's because, like, people's expectations are ridiculous sometimes. I My expectations of other people are ridiculous sometimes, too. And I yeah. I'm not, like, trying to be, like, okay, would I do that? Probably not. So, not going to expect that to be that either, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yep, that's my defense mechanism is just saying, I'll probably change, like. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're expected to know what we want to do right after we graduate high school. Yeah. Which is, like, who knows that? Nobody. Well, maybe, like, athletes do, but... Yeah, I guess I guess a few people might, but... A few people do. do you... Good for them. They did it. Do you, do you think people really expect us to know that? 
to know exactly what we want to do. And how important do you think it is to actually know? Well, I think it's not impossible. So I don't think it's important enough to know that far ahead. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, the first few years of university are to figure out what you want to do. Like, that's why you have, like, general courses of study at most mm-hmm. universities. Yeah. Um, and so it's there to help you figure out what you want to do. It's funny because, like, at college, like, they get it. They understand that you don't know what you want to do right away. But, like, you're in high school and everyone's like, so, like, can I pick out a career and, like, pick out what courses of study for our career right now? And you're like, stressed out just in high school. Yeah. Like, college and you're like, yeah, like, would that work with stress now? <laughs> yeah. It's like, take your time. And I don't know, I wish we, our educational system was more, more like college. Yeah. We're like, cause, cause you, so you're doing math education now and you at the same time though, say, you know, don't have any expectations of you finishing that well degree. It, it's promising. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like I don't want, I want the option to switch. Mm-hmm. It's so common. So I don't feel being like. But wait, I thought you said this, like, you know, I just want to, I want my life to be flexible. Yeah. Do you, do you think that might make you more, and like, I'm, I'm asking, um, for myself, you know, obviously I'm the interviewer. This is selfish, Jonathan. Um, do you think that, that you saying, but don't, have that expectation. Don't expect that for sure. Don't expect that I'm going to finish this degree. Do you think that that makes the decision to do the degree less solid? Like it's then it, less solid than it could be. I mean, maybe on a deeper psychological level, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've only done one semester. So we'll see. I've only switched one time. How how much did you do of uh, civil engineering? Um, there was an introductory course, and it was like halfway through, and I was just like, you know, I like doing math, but like I don't like applying math in real life. Which is the opposite of everything that makes sense to me. I'm just like applying what I love to real life. I'm like that's like just makes it like just makes it awful in a way. Really. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I'm more of a theoretical kind of person, so I'm like, so if I teach math, then I only deal with like the theory and the practice, but I don't deal with the application. Yeah, and so okay, why, why do you love the theory and the practice so much uh, rather than the? I feel like it, it just makes sense, but then you apply to real life, and like reality messes it up, basically. Like I guess so. I I mean, perfect in reality, and so it just kind of like does everything in chaos. Like, yeah. Okay. Oh, so much for math. Like, I... Okay, I can get behind that explanation. Although I, I, I'm not into the theory and stuff of mathematics. But yeah, I don't know. It just makes sense to my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, so you plan to become a math teacher? Yes. Then at what level? No idea. No idea. And don't have any expectations of Jonathan making a decision well, anytime soon. Elementary. <laughs> Not elementary. Not is there not high. enough theory that there? Awful. <laughs> Do you not think that would be totally enjoyable? Well, that's a completely different degree. So. Is it? 
Yeah, elementary education. Oh, right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, like, mathematics education, it's specifically for, like, high school or, like, college, university. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you'd like to teach high school or greater? Yeah, I'm leaning more towards college, but I feel like high school could be fun in a way. Mm-hmm. Because they're... Because why? Because... You could tell them that they shouldn't have to figure out what they're going to do right now. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I don't know, being the person I wanted my teacher to be in high school. Yeah. If that makes any sense to help me be, like, not stressed out as much about my future. Did your teachers give you a lot of stress about that? Um, I don't think they meant to, obviously. But I yeah. That's just, how, that's just the way education system works. Yeah. Because I was just... We're pushing so much towards the highest education you could possibly get as fast as possible. And like, I don't have money to do anything. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. We should just take more time between high school and college to just like live. Figure it out and kind of kind of think and yeah. figure out who you are and what you want to do a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. I took four years off. Four yeah. Half, really. So. So I guess that that was uh, the time working between high school and your mission, and then your mission, and then yeah. going back to school. Do you think you figured out who you are during that time? I'm still figuring that out. You're still figuring that out. And because uh, I saw I saw you grow a lot during that time. Mm. Yeah. One person. One person. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, I'm sure our uh, live audience would agree as well. Um, yeah, I saw you, I saw you change a lot during that time. And I, I think, you know, ho hopefully you feel a little bit more equipped for university. Would you, would you say that you do? Yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah. Living away from home. Yeah. Mission. Um, yeah. Making money. Yeah. That's always helpful. Yeah, it can be. Uh, so any, is, is there anything for your life about learning who you are that that you found at school? That I found at school? Yeah. Like, you mean specifically, like, any, any post-secondary? Yeah, post-secondary. Any lessons you've learned? Any you know, people that you've met that have impacted you that have... I mean, I've only had one semester. Yeah. Like not much to go on. Yeah, not much to go on yet. Yeah. Come back to me in a year. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll do it again in a year. Um, and then do you have, so, you, so you're vaguely planning to become a math teacher. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any goals beyond like having a career? Is there something that you want to accomplish in your life? I try not to have goals that far ahead because that's just me. Yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you ever had goals that far ahead? Uh, no. Because every time I start thinking about it, I'm just like, I'll never do it. I'll never do it. I'll never like, get there. And I just like want to go watch Netflix for hours, right? To just like forget about <laughs> to it. forget about it. Forget about that. To just I can't. I can't do it that far. Does the future stress you out that much? No, honestly, yeah. Why? I have, like, terrible xenophobia. <laughs> why does it? Why does it stress you out so much? Do you know? Oh man. <laughs> 
let's get into who I am. <laughs> who who are you, Jonathan? Who who I, I are honestly you? don't even think I could explain it. It's just like so it's just always been the way I am. Yeah. I've always like had this ir- it's an irrational fear of the future. Yeah. It's just because, like, I don't know, I'm just, like, trying to, like, set goals that far in advance and, like, why? Yeah. In a way. Like, I just need to live in the present. So, how far ahead do you plan? Like, maybe a year, in a way. Yeah. You know, my, my plan right now is, like, be at BYU and, like, get get an education. Like, that's literally all I've done. So, yeah. Oh. Okay, I guess I have, like, dreams. I'm like, maybe I'll, I'll move and live in Sweden one day. But then I think about, like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, moving to a completely different continent, like. Yeah, but, I mean, you already did it once. You lived there for two years. I mean, Do it, it again. Like, move there. Like, but, like there was some stuff already for me there. That was yeah. very easy. <laughs> that's That's true. I can see that. Do you think... I have to get a job there. What if, what if you could teach math in Sweden? Man. Would you take that opportunity? You know, I think about that, and I'm like, it'd have to be in English. Like, really? I don't think I could learn technical terms for math in Swedish. Like, Would it not be fairly similar, do you think? That's hard to say. I don't know. I've never bothered to learn those type of stuff in Swedish because I never needed to know how to explain math somebody. Yeah. How do we explain calculus? Like in, in Swedish. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess so. That makes sense. Uh, you... If I was teaching a post-secondary level, it would be in English and Sweden. So like... Is it? Yeah. Why is that? Because they love English. Really? Yeah. Everyone that speaks English if they're like born and raised there. Yeah. That's like interesting. From like elementary level. Really? Yeah. Huh. So they're like bilingual. Some of them are trilingual. People who speak like five more languages there. Yeah, I guess that's a lot more common in Europe, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Sweden, like, is probably the, of all European countries besides like Great Britain, they're the best at English. Sweden is. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. So, how did that make it hard for you to learn Swedish then? If everybody learned, if everybody knows English. I mean, like we talked about, I'm better at theory than application. And so I didn't, I, I obviously have to talk to learn language, but I learned more from reading. Okay. Like reading um, just books and reading, studying the grammar. That's how I learned the language. Yeah. And I became pretty good at it. You could understand the concepts and yeah. stuff. and I understood it like at a conceptual level rather than just like hearing people say it. Obviously, when I speak Swedish, I sound like more, more like, um, formal than like most people would. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, people understand me. I understand them. It's fine. And you can get along just fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's pretty interesting that everybody there. I mean, I was talking with Evan Laurie, who was on. He was on a few episodes ago, and he was talking about learning Norwegian mm-hmm. and how it's hard because in Norwegian, he he. Well, speak Norwegian. Like. Why? Okay, it's just, we just make fun of Norway, because it's kind of like, you know, like, the two languages are so similar, Yeah. Like, Norwegian, like, they just think it's like the dumbed down version. Oh, really? Yeah, and then Danish is just like the messed up version. And okay. Swedish is just like the, the pure form, like. <laughs> and do, like, 
I'm sure Norway thinks like you know, the opposite. Yeah. Thinks that they're the pure form and that. I think Danish knows they're messed up. Like, that's <laughs> Do you? So can you? Because I've heard that you can kind of understand the other languages. Yeah, then. it's it's hard for me because I'm not a native speaker. Yeah, so, but a native speaker would be able to kind of pick up on things. Okay, yeah. probably because all three of them know English. No. Just kidding, yeah. Um, I don't know if, like, Norwegian, if Norway and Denmark are as are, English as much as Sweden does. Really? So, why um, why does Sweden do that? Do you know? They just think that it's uh, beneficial for business and international relations kind um, of thing? I think the most honest answer would be media. They love American culture and movies and television shows and that's all they watch and so they're only watching and listening stuff in English yeah and so they have to learn it obviously in order to understand okay that's so funny yeah I think that's like the most honest answer of why they're in English it's just it's just in their media so they it's cool it's cool to know English it's that's the hipster thing to do that's interesting Everyone in hipster, every everyone in hipster is Swedish. Yes. So, um, so that's 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 really cool. So you don't, I mean, your your biggest kind of ish dream that that is non-committal is to live in Sweden. It's like it's so far out there that like if I start like thinking about like planning for it, I'm just like nope. You're like nope, like, not a plan. I definitely would like will visit there. Yeah. But like moving there, like that's a big step. That would be a big step. That'd be crazy to, especially if you take all your stuff with you. Uh, not that I have that much, but still. That's true. I mean, throw it in a shipping container and get it over, I guess. Just, but. And then when I go there, go to IKEA and buy everything else. Buy everything else you need. So IKEA, how big is that in Sweden? Is uh, that? It is. It's a Swedish thing. Like, I was in the world's largest. It was in one of my areas. Oh really? Yeah. And what was that like? Was it as incredible as it sounds? Pretty big. Yeah. Um, it was designed really different. Like, because, like, you know, the IKEA we know is, like, you have to walk through everything, you know? Yeah. But this IKEA had a more open concept. And I was, like, walking, like, what? Like, open concept. Was it, was it better? Um, no. Because, I, yeah, we, I mean, I remember doing the wanderings. Food the food was better? Like, the food IKEA is great. Everyone should go there and, like, get the Swedish meatballs. Like, they're divine. But in Sweden, they're more divine. <laughs> Is, you actually think it's that, like, that good of food at the Ikea cafeteria? Oh, yeah. You got, like, the lingonberry sauce with the mashed potatoes and, like, the vegetables. And, and that's what they eat over there? Yeah. But that's, like, a classic Swedish meal. Yeah. So, okay, explain to me what Swedish meatballs are, though. Um, well, it's actually a Turkish recipe. Really? Yeah, that was announced recently, like a few months ago. That's like what? King of Sweden got the recipe from Turkey and Wait, it to his country. The like, King of Sweden. Yeah, like announced a, that a couple centuries ago. Like, yeah, got, like it just like they found in records recently. So that the like, oh surprise, the Turkish meatballs. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sweden made them famous, so I think yeah. I I think that's appropriate. Yeah, so. But it was, like, instituted by their royal family? Yeah, like, the king got the recipe when he was there, like, on, on some trip, Yeah. And, like, brought it back. Became a big thing. <laughs> it became a big thing. Yeah, like, just funny. 
That's so funny. And so, okay. Or turkey, like. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, you're welcome for grandma's recipe yeah. and uh, taking credit for it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. So it's like an actual specific recipe. Yeah, I think it was at one point. I don't know. I think everyone probably doesn't. Has their own version of it kind of thing. Yeah. I had some really good, like, I don't know. Just like Christmas and they have one holiday called Midsommar, which is like end of June. And then Easter, that's like the meal you have. It's like Swedish meatballs. meatballs. Mashed potatoes and veggies. Like, yeah. And it's so good every time. Is there any specific meat that the meatballs have to be made out of? Uh, I'm not sure. You'd have to ask the Swede. Yeah. Did you did you try reindeer? While no, you were there? I never got like north enough in Sweden okay. to like actually try it. Yeah. Finish, but... Huh. One day. One day. One day you'll go back when you're living and teaching in Sweden because you decided that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Or if I just Visit as a tourist, like. I mean, I guess that's. I mean, you could, but that's an expensive plane ticket. You may as well just move. You can actually find some pretty cheap tickets from LA. Right here, really? Airlines. Really? Yeah. So. Well, we'll have to look into that. Have to get to LA first, but. Well, my sister Jerica's moving. Done. To to near LA, yeah. so I mean, we'll just go. We'll just go visit. We're just coming, stopping by here for a visit and then fly away to Sweden. Yeah. Just, just like, yeah, uh, I'm going to walk down the street and then we just grab a taxi and go to LAX and fly away. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I don't care what it costs. Like I probably won't fly from LA, but like, I'm definitely going to go back in the near future. That'd be really cool. And I mean, you know, I, I hope that that you get a degree from BYU um, and that at at some point along the way uh, you make a decision on which degree that is. I think it's, I I do think it's important to kind of, you know, take your time. You know, I take my time. Um, Take your time and, and pick the right thing and, and, go with it and there's probably not even one right thing i'm sure you'd make a great civil engineer great math teacher yeah you're you're like yeah i would have been the best but the world's missing out now i'm just on the theory end well i mean that's okay though you'll be able to teach and hopefully make an impact and hopefully hopefully help people kind of realize i mean what we talked about how the importance of of different worldviews and seeing those and acknowledging those, um, and, 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 uh, and also helping people acknowledge that they don't need to know exactly what they're doing right now. Yep. Right? Don't right now. You don't need to know right now. So thank you for uh, sharing. Thanks for being on my podcast, Jonathan. No and, uh, if you have any last words, any advice, any, any wisdom, you'd like to give now is the time before i shut off the mics um yeah i don't know <laughs> cool don't fear the future like i do <laughs> which is super hypocritical to say but like yeah <laughs> sweet thanks jonathan